Hello and welcome to The Daily Royal, a podcast that covers the daily events of seven of the European monarchies. Today is a additional special episode focusing on the funeral as well as international events uh, for the Duke of Edinburgh that took place on Saturday, April 17th, 2021. Before we get too far into that, though, I want to just give a quick little reminder. Here's how the week is going to go. So, obviously, you're hearing this on Monday morning. Um, I will be recording again tonight, and that will go up on Tuesday. Um, and that will cover... So, the the episode that goes up on Tuesday that I record Monday night will cover the additional weekend event from the Spanish royal family and then any of the events on Monday. So this one is completely focused on Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. And then starting tomorrow, we will be back with regularly scheduled events. Um, So I just wanted to give everyone that brief reminder. Um, And Let's go ahead and get started. So the first thing I want to talk about is, of course, the funeral. My assumption um, is that if you're listening to this podcast, you watched the funeral. Um, if you did not, I'm just going to go through like a few of the key, the key elements of the day um, and just kind of share from there. Um, and then... When that is done, I will be talking about some of the events that took place internationally um, because there were a few different things that happened that I want to talk about um, specifically in the Swedish royal family, um, but as well as um, just throughout the world. So let's go ahead and get started in talking about the funeral. So I watched, um, I watched the BBC coverage starting at probably 8.30, um, or whenever it went live, I guess. Um, and I would say the start of, like, what I would consider the official funeral was on, um, was when the carriage that Prince Philip raced and um, used was brought up to the quadrangle. So the quadrangle is like the courtyard of Windsor Castle. Um, It's between kind of the different, I mean, it's in the middle of the enclosure of the castle. So it's where um, last year Trooping of the Color was held. It's probably where it will be held again this year. Um when Sir Captain Tom Moore was knighted, um, that took place in the quadrangle. So it's just, um, it's used frequently. Um, and so that is where the military band and military units lined up, uh, yesterday for the funeral. And, um, but yeah, like I said, I would consider the, the carriage, um, coming up kind of like the start um from there things kind of just rapidly kept going so um from from that point on I 
think the order I've, I've watched this a couple of times just specifically for this purpose um so next the next big event were when members of the royal family who were not um taking part in the walking behind the coffin um were driven down to saint george's chapel um so this includes the German relatives, and this is the order in which they, they arrived. So the German relatives that were invited, um, the uh, Princess Margaret's children were next. Uh, then the Queen's cousins, so Duke of Kent, Duke of Gloucester, and Princess Alexandra. And then... Um, all the granddaughters, um, adult granddaughters and their spouses, as well as the Duchess of Cambridge came. And then next it was, um, the Countess of Wessex, her two children and, uh, Lady Louise and Viscount Severin, as well as the Duchess of Cornwall. Um, as the final person walked in to the Gal Porch of Galilee, which is the entrance that the royal family used to go into the chapel, um, the music on the quadrangle started. Um, so this was where the military bands all performed, I think, three total songs, um, including I Vow to Thee, My Country, which is this very beautiful, like, him, very focused on loyalty and duty over everything, um, and it was beautiful. I, I love music, and this one, like, tugs at my heartstrings, so it was lovely to, um, to hear that. Uh, definitely started crying during I Vow to Thee My Country. That was the first time that some water came from my eyes. Um, after that was done, the, um, the coffin casket was brought out of Windsor Castle and laid on the customized Land Rover Defender with, on top, uh, the Duke of Edinburgh's personal insignia. So he has his own like standard, which is the flag, um, that was laid on his casket. And then on top of the casket was the naval cap and sword that was given to him by his father-in-law, King George VI, as well as a, <laughs> um, bouquet of white flowers from the queen that the queen picked, um, and a note. There's conflicting information about what the note says, and honestly, it's none of our business, but the few options I have seen are all very sweet and very touching. Um, and then the official procession started, so following the customized Land Rover and the um, military pallbearers surrounded the um, were to each side of the Land Rover. And then there was, of course, the family behind. This is, um, I don't know if this is like a British tradition or just a royal family tradition, um, but it is completely normal to have close family members walk behind. So behind 
the the duke and the duke's body um were his four children so charles and andrew and edward and then followed by the adult male grandchildren so i was gonna just say the male grandchildren but then i always forget that viscount severin is a grandchild even though like he is um for sure but he's younger, so I always forget. So that's why I made that specification, um, adult grandsons, because it was um, Peter Phillips, the Duke of Cambridge, and then uh, the Duke of Sussex. And then following that were um, Lord Snowden, who is Princess Margaret's um, son, and therefore niece or nephew to... Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip. And then the Sir Admiral Timothy Lawrence, who is Princess Anne's husband. Um, and then also in the procession was Queen Elizabeth in the state Bentley car. And Elizabeth, uh, the Queen was accompanied by one of her ladies in waiting. Um, so she didn't have to travel in the car alone. She um, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. She did sit in the chapel alone. Um, I had, I had speculated that perhaps her lady in waiting could go as well. Um, but she did not. She, Queen Elizabeth sat by herself, um, in St. George's chapel and it broke my heart. Um, so the procession made their way to St. George's Chapel. This is a very short drive um, due to the speed. I think it took like 10 minutes, but typically it would take like two. Um, so the procession went past the Porch of Galilee, which like I said, is the entrance the royal family used um, to go into the chapel. And everybody who was attending the service was outside to bow their heads and then uh, pay their respects to the queen when the queen arrived to the porch as well. Um, queen Elizabeth stopped at the porch and went in. Um, it was really strange because of social distancing. You know, of course, Queen Elizabeth went first and then she did kind of turn around and like, wait for her daughters-in-law to follow her, um, which they did, but they were, of course, remaining a good distance away. Um, and then the Land Rover continued on to the main steps of St. George's Chapel and began the ascension up the stairs at 3 p.m., so this is about two minutes after they started up the stairs, um, at 3 p.m., they paused in the middle of the stairwell for the national moment of silence at 3. Um, and the, this was marked by cannon booms, um, which I guess is like a traditional thing. Um, so that was next. Then the um, procession made its way, continuing up the stairs and into St. George's Chapel. So St. George's Chapel is relatively large. Um, it's ginormous. And it was very strange because um, I've seen we've seen St. George's Chapel quite a few times in the 
passed because of uh, royal weddings that happened in uh, 2018. So Harry and Meghan's and then Eugenie's and Jack's happened there as well. Um, and of course, those were packed because we weren't living in a pandemic, um, much like it would have been today if we weren't living in a pandemic. And um, it was very strange to see the part, the entrance, um, and then up to the Neve completely empty with no chairs or people in it. Um, and then, so that was, that was bizarre. Um, the funeral had different pieces of the service and music and, uh, biblical readings that were handpicked by the Duke himself, um, because obviously he had a huge hand in planning, um, his funeral. And, um, every bit of it was just lovely. Um, I won't talk too much about it because, again, my assumption is that most of you have seen it, um... I really just wanted to talk about the parts that weren't really super covered in the royal family's live stream, um, as well as not really, like, just talk about the events. So, so as the funeral was coming to an end, the King of Arms for the Order of the Garter, which is, um, the, I think it's for England specifically, not the UK, um, is the highest order of chivalry. Um, and we did a discussion on orders of chivalry very recently. Um, I can't remember exactly what day, but it was sometime last week we talked about it, um, on this podcast. So it's the highest order of chivalry in the, um, in England. Um, and it's matched with Scotland's order of the thistle, which is the same, but in Scotland. Um, and so the Duke of Edinburgh was knighted, uh, was a, a, a knighted member of the Order of the Garter, I think is the correct way that goes. Um, and so he gets this piece of, um, respect for that. Um, so the King of Arms for the Order of the Garter, came up and proclaimed the title and style of the Duke of Edinburgh, which I actually want to read, um, because it was really powerful. And also, um, I've been very cognizant of using correct titles, um, specifically right now for Prince Philip, the du Duke of Edinburgh, um, because that is how he's referred to as Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. Um, but I wanted to share the whole thing because I will never do this again. Um, oh well, for him at least. Um, but I thought it was really important. So the Garter King of Arms read, thus it hath, thus it hath pleased Almighty God to take out this transitory life unto his divine mercy, the late most illustrious and most exalted Prince Philip Duke of Edinburgh, Earl of Marineth, and Baron Greenwich, Knight of the Most Noble Order of the Garter, Knight of the Most Ancient and Most Noble Order of the Thistle, Member of the Order of Merit, Knight Grand Cross of the Royal Victorian Order, upon whom he had been conferred the Royal Victorian Chain, 
Grand Master and Knight Grand Cross of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire, Lord High Admiral of the United Kingdom, one of Her Majesty's Most Honorable Privy Council, Admiral of the Fleet, Admiral of the Fleet, Field Marshal in the Army, and Marshal of the Royal Air Force. Husband of Her Most Excellent Majesty Elizabeth II, by the grace of God of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and of her other realms and territories, Queen, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith, Sovereign of the Most Noble Order of the Garter, whom may God preserve and bless with long life, health, and honor, and all worldly happiness. So that kind of marked the end of the full ceremony. Um, then came the private part um, in which Prince Philip's coffin was lowered into the royal vault. This is the part that people are talking about um, a good bit because no one saw it um, because they did take this off the camera um, to respect the family's privacy during this more emotional moment. Um, so during that time, the um, there was a bagpipe song um, and then two groups of, uh, small, two small groups of musicians. So I think it was the Marine Buglers and the official, like, state buglers, um, played a different, like, variation to mark, um, the beginning of a new day. Then, uh, there was a small benediction and then of course uh, the national anthem was played a lot throughout the day but it did end the service and I'm not British I have no desire to be British um none but this specific time that I have heard God Save the Queen which is the UK's national anthem it's always powerful and it's always really um, important and it's um, kind of takes your breath away when you're watching it and the queen is right there and it's always like this really great moment. Um, this one had to be the most powerful version I have ever scene and not because it was like the best rendition I've ever heard but because the lyrics of God Save the Queen are literally about making sure the queen is protected and happy and healthy and all of those things and that felt very different to me and I, I believe some others um, yesterday because At the end of the day, I think what this funeral and its non-large audience and uh, not audience, but collection of people proved that like at the end of the day, this is still a family, um, you know, and this goes back to what I've said several times in the past couple months is these are, these are people um, who, yes, have very public jobs to do and very public lives um, 
as is kind of bound by their duty. But at the end of the day, the queen lost her husband. And having that song, you know, be the national anthem, it's all about making sure that she is okay. Um, and that felt really poignant yesterday. Then um, the royal family exited the chapel, kind of gathered, um, and then walked out. Queen Elizabeth returned to the state Bentley, again with her lady-in-waiting, who was kind of, she wasn't in the, um, she wasn't among the seated guests, but she was able to stay inside the, the complex, the St. George's Chapel, um, and ob observe from afar. Um, so she then went into the, the state Bentley with Queen Elizabeth for the drive back. Um, and then all the cars were, this was the funny part of the day, um, all the cars were lining up to take the remaining guests back to the castle. And the Prince of Wales decided that he was going to walk back. And so then everyone walked back. And the cars just kind of drove past them because clearly no one was getting in them anymore. So they all walked back to Windsor. And then from there, I don't know what happened. I'm sure there was a small gathering, um, hopefully socially distanced and safe and all of that good stuff. Um, but that is the summary of events for Prince Philip's funeral. Um, and so with that, I want to talk very briefly about some of the international reaction. Um, so I first want to talk about like the monarchies that I talk about every day, typically, um, and how most of them responded. Um, so yesterday, uh, the Scandinavian countries, so Denmark, Norway, and Sweden all lowered their flags to half mass to mark the funeral. Um, and each of them shared photos of this. And then, um, the Dutch Royal House, I don't know if they shared it or I just saw it, but they added, so they didn't lower their flag, um, but they added a black banner to hang above their flag um, to mark that this was a day for, for mourning. Um, and I just thought like all of that was very sweet um, and showed shows what a big impact the Duke of Edinburgh had on, like, everybody. Um, I think it was just very important. Um, and I was really happy that they all did that in some way. Um, and then also in Sweden yesterday, Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, was a knight, I think, of the Order of Seraphim which is Sweden's highest order of chivalry. And they held a ceremony yesterday to, to mark that he 
is no longer um, alive and therefore no longer a member of the knighthood. Um, and it was, it's pretty heartbreaking. There's bells tolled and it, it was this whole ceremony. Um, so what happens with these orders is typically they're going to go back to the monarch. Um, I don't know if that means the sashes and stuff actually go back, but because Prince Philip is no longer living, he no longer has these orders. Um, and for certain countries, they only have a select amount that they can give out. Um, I don't think that's the case in Sweden, but for example, the Order of the Garter, there is a set amount that you can have. Um, and it, his knighthood has already gone back to, um, the Knights of the Order of the Garter. And that was signified. There were, there was something yesterday that signified it and I missed what it was exactly. Um, but he is no longer a member of the Order of the Garter because he is no longer alive. So that was super, um, just the Order of the Seraphim moment was really, um, you know, kind of just as emotional to me because now these things have to go back. Um, these orders and this important piece. So that happened. And then there were also, um, some simultaneous events that happened, um, parallel to the funeral yesterday. So, um, one was in Corfu, the island of Corfu in Greece, which is where, um, I talked about a week ago where, uh, Prince Philip was born because he was born a, a prince of Greece and Denmark. And, um, so there was a, a small ceremony there. The Gordonston School in Scotland, um, which is where Prince Philip spent most of his, a good part of his education, um, laid a wreath out to sea, um, in honor of the Duke. And then I believe they held something today as well. And, or maybe it was just shared today, but they took part, of course, in the National Moment of Silence. Um, the, I'm not sure if she's the Prime Minister of Scotland, but the leader of Scotland uh, stepped outside of her residence and took part in the official Moment of Silence. There were just lots of moments like that. Um, kind of throughout the world, Canada had something. And so I just wanted to like say, even though of course this was a funeral and it became a very small funeral because of COVID restrictions, the whole world for the most part paid their respects yesterday in some way, shape or form. Um, and it was just It was just really nice. And so that is kind of the, the summary of the whole day, including some international things. Um, and so tomorrow we'll go back to normal, but for now, please enjoy the rest of your Monday and I'll talk to you tomorrow.
Bye.